are making our way through this teaching on the Day of Atonement and posing the question now with our general manager, Ray Haynes. Of course, there's a time and a season for everything, and especially the appointed times of the creator of the universe. So why the Day of Atonement? And it's a big question. Now, you may not ask all these questions. I'm just, I I ask God a lot of questions, and some (laughs) of them very quick answers, other ones weeks, months, years go by, and by the time he answers, I go, wait, wait, what was the question? (laughs) Wait, did Uh, I ask you? This particular Day of Atonement for the last four months has been a lot of the answers to those questions going, wait, wait, give me the question again. Give me the question again. (laughs) So when it comes to salvation, it's easier for us, I think, at least to me, to relate to Passover, because it was when... Jesus died on the cross. He brought us atonement. That's kind of the basics of our salvation. So I think it's a reasonable question, at least in my brain, to ask, why is there another day in the fall whose focus is atonement? Didn't we just do that? This is just confusing. And it doesn't help that the details of the Day of Atonement are told in detail in the book of Leviticus, quite possibly the most difficult read in all of the Bible, apart from Revelation. And Revelation and Leviticus are very similar in that they're filled with shadows and types, mystery and prophecy, past and future, and each mingling heaven and earth, and you can never be sure you're coming away with any understanding here. Am I just reading the same verse over and over again? Well, the first step to understanding this day and its place in time is actually in its name, the Day of Atonement. All the other festivals, if you noticed, are called feasts, but not this one. It's called the Day of because there is an aspect of timelessness to it, like the Day of the Lord or the Day of Jehovah or the fullness of time. It's got a special quality to it. It occurs as a real day on the calendar. I mean, this year it's Sunday night to Monday night, right? And it happens each fall. But it's always been more than that. It's It was always a set-apart appointed time that was outside of time. It's part of the end times, but it's also connected to Passover, a spring-appointed time. Now, when God created the world, he did it in the fall. Adam and Eve were made on the sixth day. We know that as Rosh Hashanah, 10 days ago, exactly 5,784 years ago. That's what happened in our time on the biblical calendar. But there was more happening in the spiritual, and that's kind of what we're looking at today. The book of Revelation tells us that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. To put a course in earth time, he would die 4,000 years after creation. Kind of difficult to put wrap our brains around this stuff. But So about 2,500 years after creation, God told Moses to change the calendar. It would now start in the spring with Passover. So you're saying, what? <laughs> so the Day of Atonement and Passover became forever connected as beginnings. And both days also became connected prophetically as endings, oddly enough. Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, two verses earlier, Paul talks about this fullness of time as a time appointed by the Father. So think of fullness of time as the beginning of the end of history, right? Just as the calendar changed at the first Passover in in Egypt, so time itself changed at the cross. We say B.C. and A.D. to acknowledge it. But it was more than just time changing. It was a merging of Passover and the Day of Atonement at the revival of the end of the ages and the last hour. Those are some, some phrases you read in, in Scripture. Passover was no longer about an actual lamb, 
The Day of Atonement was no longer about an earthly tabernacle of sacrifices and blood. It was suddenly, both of them were suddenly bigger and better. Now, in Egypt, the lamb's blood kept them safe from the death angel. But it was the sacrifices on the Day of Atonement each year that atoned for their corporate sin. So, you need both. And at the fullness of time, Passover was the physical day of the crucifixion of our Messiah. But, and if the physical aspects of his death were to occur that day, well, then you got to figure, so must the spiritual aspects have to occur. So think of the Day of Atonement as the other side of the cross, or even beyond the cross, the unseen. What happened in the grave and at the resurrection? Passover and the Day of Atonement are, are really flip sides of the same event. They're different on the calendar, but they really happened back here. Paul explained it in detail in Hebrews, and John described it in Revelation. If you were to look down from above at the layout of the tabernacle, guess what it is? It's in the shape of the cross of Jesus. That's the layout. The bronze altar being where his feet were nailed, the laver about waist level, the candle stand would be his right hand was nailed to the cross, table of bread where his left hand was nailed, his heart and chest would have been the altar of incense, and his head would have been the mercy seat behind the veil. It's the shape of the cross. So in the deepest and most profound sense, Jesus was, if the tabernacle is where he's enthroned, he was enthroned on the cross. He was still in his heavenly and earthly tabernacle in every sense. We see the cross with new eyes when you see it through the tabernacle. This significance was driven home in John 2 when Jesus began his ministry by cleansing the temple. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do all these things? And Jesus answered, Destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. Well, <laughs> needless to say, they were uh, a bit confused. The Jews said, it was, It's taken 46 years to build this temple and you'll raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. All right, now, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, In the volume of the book is written of me, to do your will, O God. So, the earthly tabernacle and temple were really just shadows and types. Those structures were the tabernacle in name only. The true tabernacle was, in fact, always Jesus. First on his throne in heaven, then when he became flesh and dwelt in the tabernacle of his body, later when he was crucified on the tabernacle of the cross, which in the grand scheme was also his throne. I know it's a little wrapped up here, but and I'm still just scratching the surface. We're going <laughs> to dig in. What? Don't do it anymore. Uh, we're scratching the surface, and I'm going to dig in deeper later. But the greater point is, if the centerpiece of the Day of Atonement was the tabernacle, and the true tabernacle was Jesus, then the Day of Atonement was fully fulfilled on the cross, in the grave, and with the resurrection of Jesus, just like Passover. And coming up next, the Last Supper Passover has a story to tell that we've been missing. In fact, I'm, I'm willing to, to bet in the most practical sense, we're going to take a look at some scriptures that you've probably read and understood completely incorrectly, and we all do, because we don't look at them in the light of the tabernacle. But we're going to do that today, and we're going to give you breathe some new breath in something that'll show you and go, oh, and you'll go, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where we're going. So this next one, we're going to look at a place for us. <laughs> 